Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Welcome to the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things world wondering stardom, right here on the Pod Mania Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Rob Goodwin, and I'm joined as ever by independent wrestling's Matt Turner. Matt, how the devil are you? I am fantastic, other than uh, the fact that you guys didn't have daylight savings time, but we did over here in the States, so. Uh... Our timing's just a little bit off, and we were right before the podcast, me and Rob were just joking, because I thought maybe Rob fell asleep at the wheel, and I just realized that the time zone <laughs> difference, the daylight saving time over there in uh, England didn't take effect yet, and over in the States it did, so I was like, that's pretty funny. So if that's the worst <laughs> thing that happens to me today, it is a very, very good day. Absolutely. Just the thought of you waiting for an hour going... He is always a little bit late, but he's never been this late. <laughs> Whereas I'm perpetually late for the other podcasts I do. So uh, you should feel very honoured, Matt, just uh, that I do almost keep time with you. Um, but yeah, we are here this week. We did say that we weren't going to have time in the previous podcast to cover the new Blood Show. Well, we're back today to do just that. Um, we're going to be talking all things from Stardom's new Blood Show on the 11th of March. Everything including uh, the return of Sayurida, um, the debut of Miyu Amasaki, which I thought was a tremendous success. Um, you know, the tease of a potential member of Oedetai. It's It was a very, very, very solid show. And we're going to get into all of that and all the nitty gritty as well during this episode. But first, um, I am fully aware that this is a stardom podcast, obviously. Um, But 
when something as huge and as sad um, as what happened yesterday um, with Scott Hall happens, you have to take a moment to reflect. And I know, I know, Matt, you wanted to say a couple of words. Yeah, uh, you know, this one, you know, as we're recording this, we're just a handful of hours of uh, Scott Hall passing away. And, you know, the older you get, you know, and I always say, you know, I started watching wrestling in the 80s. The older you get, it seems like a couple times a year, some of your favorites pass away. And this one, this one hit on the same level as like an Eddie Guerrero did for me. Uh, growing up, I was a huge, huge uh, Razor Ramon fan, probably like 94, 95. Him, Brett and Sean Michaels were probably my three favorite wrestlers. Uh, I remember I had the Razor Ramon uh, foam I would, it, would, it was supposed to be like a foam finger, but it was a foam razor blade. Now it's kind of funny <laughs> now that I say it out loud. Uh, I had I had the Razor Ramon uh, razor key, um, necklace, which, again, now that I think about it, if I wore that today, I'd probably get arrested. Uh, I had the bright purple shirt, which I constantly got made fun of in school for, which uh, I didn't care because I was just a huge fan. Anytime I walked into a room, I would do like razor strut. You know, he puts his hands out to the side. Uh <laughs> I mean, he was literally, you can make an argument of, like, who's the greatest wrestler of all time, who's the greatest this, the greatest that. I think uh, he's probably the coolest wrestler of all time. When the whole NWO thing happened, uh, not everybody had the internet. I didn't get the internet until 96, so there really wasn't any dirt sheets or any rumors or anything that you can really, well, the dirt sheets were out, but they weren't uh, as easy to get to it as now. And I really only watched WWF. Um, I had a couple friends of mine that would watch WCW because Hogan and Savage went over. And I remember sitting there on on my, my uh, living room floor watching Monday Night Raw. And one of my best friends calls me and he said, hey, uh, Razor Ramon is on Nitro. And I was like, what? Because I had no idea that him and Kevin Nash Diesel were leaving. So this was like as a 14-year-old kid. Yeah. 14 year old at the, I was 14 years old at that time just blew my mind so I turned on Nitro and I was like you know I, I'll never forget the promo you know who I am but you don't know why I'm here and from the next week on until Nitro closed their doors I watched every single Nitro I mean it, it can't be understated what Scott Hall Razor Ramon has done for the business that whole NWO thing it changed wrestling I mean even even his WWF run as Razor Ramon, you know, he had those two ladder matches with Shawn Michaels, you know, 94, WrestleMania 10, and SummerSlam 95. He had a very underrated world title match with Bret Hart at Royal Rumble 93. Um, he just uh, completely changed the business. And um, kind of just one one thing I kind of want to end this on, because I can talk about a whole podcast on Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, is I noticed that um, when he was on life support and we weren't sure when he was going to pass, I was kind of glued to my phone on social media. And one of the reasons why is I didn't even realize this, but a lot of my friends in independent wrestling, they were on shows with Scott Hall and they were sharing their stories uh, on social media about Scott Hall. And the most common denominator, uh, the most common story that I heard was that if Scott wasn't taking pictures, if he wasn't signing autographs, he wasn't at his merch table, he was watching the matches. And it didn't matter if you were match one, match four, match five or the main event. If he saw your match, and uh, what he would do is he'd pull you aside when you would cut the curtain and he would give you advice. And that's something that a guy his stature didn't need to do. But that's something that I think really hit home with me that here's this guy that's been, you know, wrestling in front of 12,000, 14,000, 15,000 people for the last, you know, 15, 16, 17 years. And he's in front of only a couple hundred people watch at this independent show. And he's giving the young guys advice, breaking down their matches, like saying, hey, this you should have done this. Maybe try this. Do this here. You know, maybe try this out next time. And that's something that he didn't need to do. You know, he could have just been nice to everybody, taking some pictures, signing his autographs, got paid and leave and left. But it seemed like he did that at all these independent shows that my friends were sharing stories with. So, uh, you know, Godspeed. Um, and if anybody has any stories where they met Scott Hall, uh, please, by all means, you know, share them on our, our, our social media because uh, – Obviously, it's, it's something that I, I want to talk about. And, uh, you know, I probably just want to thank you for giving me the time to talk about it. Because, like I said, Scott Hall was a very, very big part of, of my childhood growing up. No, not at all. He's he's certainly one of my favorite wrestlers. I mean, all time, he's in my top five. Just you hit the nail on the head. He oozed a charisma, um, a machismo, if you will, that just no one else could match. And in 96 there wasn't a bigger wrestler than Razor Ramon, especially early 96. And for someone who 
didn't win a world title in WWF or WCW to still be as big as he was pays testament to just how much he was thought of. But I've seen loads and loads of stories just echoing your sentiments there, Matt, of just the acts of selflessness that Scott Hall would do. He'd take wrestlers aside, pay for their meals and everything. And then when wrestlers basically say, why are you doing this? You're Scott Hall. He'd just go, well, I was looked after on my way up, and I hope that now you'll look after someone on their way up. And it's just, it's so sad. But I will end on this. Um, I believe um, it was Chris Van Vliet, I think, who said, it's horrendous that Scott Hall has passed, and so early as well. But the fact that he managed to turn his life around to, you know, because this could have been, a decade or so ago, but the fact that he managed to turn his life around and have those that extra decade is the real success story. So, you know, it's horrible, but at least we got some more years with Scott. And obviously our deepest condolences to his family, to Kevin Nash, who shared the most awful Instagram post ever. Um, you know, Sean Waltman, Sean Michaels, Triple H, who obviously were all very, very close to um, Scott. So our condolences and obviously our prayers are with his family. Moving on, um, obviously this is a stardom podcast. Let's start talking about this stardom new blood show from the 11th of March in Tokyo, Japan, in the Shinagawa Intercity Hall. It was a complete sellout, and actually they oversold tickets, uh, meaning they had an attendance of 416 people. Now, this actually streamed live on YouTube. Um, It's still not on World now, so obviously there was no pre-match promos there was no post-matches or there was post-matches they weren't translated um but did that put you off at all matt or do you think or is this something you would rather see in terms of world you know just stream the shows we're not bothered about you know what they say we'll get the translations when we get the translations i want to see the action that's the most important bit the promos they set they do set a lot of stuff up especially coming into world climax and what they're going to be going towards of the Cinderella. But yeah, I just wanted to see the action. I'll wait to see what the promos are, or you can probably just go on Twitter and, you know, see what the, what happened with the promos there from the translation. But yeah, I just wanted to see the action because I heard it was a really good, solid show. And uh, to me, it sure was. Yeah, absolutely. Especially as a lot of these wrestlers, I mean, both me and you aren't exactly well-versed in a lot of the wrestlers that aren't from Stardom. So it was interesting to see wrestlers from other companies. And I know there was at least at least two or three that really, really stood out and impressed me. So let's delve into this card. We opened with a singles match. Momo Kogo defeating Gato Moves Sayaka with the neck to peach in seven minutes and 45 seconds. Um, Matt, what was your opinion on this one? Momo Kogo continues to look better. And I thought this was a good spotlight for her because when she's on a show... She's usually, you know, in a tag match with Mayu or Herzuki, or even if she's in the singles, she's going to be overshadowed just because she's new. So again, you know, to echo your sentiments, I didn't know the other competitor, and I'm going to apologize in advance. I'm probably going to butcher pretty much half the half the names on this show, but I was impressed with both of them. But Momo really, really stood out. I think I even texted you as soon as the match was over that Momo did the exact Liger bow and arrow pin count to two transition spot into the surfboard that Jushin Thunder Liger does. So I don't know if they're tipping their hand at the special trainer's Jushin uh, Liger. That was going to be my guess, or if that was just something that she just wanted to put in. But I thought Momo looked really solid here, and her forearms are keep getting better. She threw some really stiff shots on this one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously, that mystery sensei was at this show. Um, we had a lovely tease of just a thumbs up which led to conspiracy theories abound with, oh, well, it can't be Arissa because her thumb doesn't bend like that, which it's amazing, the whole uh, the whole web we've weaved with this. Um, but Thor- Thorns Cassidy. <laughs> Imagine that forbidden door. Um, yeah, I thought this match was okay. Um, I thought Momo looked very good. In terms of Sayaka, I've read that Sayaka's a strong submission specialist. 
um, which is sort of at odds with the type of wrestler that Momo Kogo is, which, especially in the early exchanges of this match, it means their styles didn't exactly mesh brilliantly. There was a few moments of, of sloppiness, but I thought Sayaka certainly grew into it. Um, there was some really cool, innovative knee targeting. Um, there was one bit where she literally sat on the mat and then pulled um, Momo's knee the opposite way from the way it's supposed to go so that she falls to the floor and I thought that was really cool just a simple thing um, but I did think she was a step behind Momo at times overall I thought it was a solid outing um, I gave it two and a half stars Matt it was two and three fourths so I was always just you know right there I liked it a little bit more than you yeah um, let's move on then to match two which was a tag team match the marvellous team of Ayuzan and Maria defeating the Cosmic Angels team of Yunagi Sayaka and Waka Tsukiyama with Maria submitting Waka with the Marianu in 9 minutes and 49 seconds Waka Tsukiyama is a bloody national treasure Matt yeah absolutely God bless her you know her selling this is really good I thought Yunagi looked fantastic you know, basically kind of, you know, echoing the sacraments of Momokogo. Yunaki, uh, Yunagi is one of the biggest stars on this show. I thought, look, she looked really good. But uh, Maria, I thought to me, was the overall MVP of the, the show. I thought she was fantastic. I've seen a little bit of her work when she teamed uh, with Mayu in the tag world, uh, the, the tag tournament. But I thought, as good as she was there, she was even better. I was completely blown away by how well she worked. And I hope that maybe her and Takumi get a um, get an invite back to either either the uh, Five Star Grand Prix or their team in the the Goddess of Stardom Tag Tournament. I thought she looked absolutely fantastic uh, in here. And then um, they also did Waka and uh, Marie. They basically did their uh, their best Nagata versus uh, Suzuki impersonation. By that I mean just throwing forearm after forearm after forearm after forearm. So it's. Just, I'm getting really endeared into Waka, even though she is the quote-unquote pin-eater pretty much of all of stardom uh, at this point. She's, uh, she's shown a lot of fire, a lot of fire in her facials, a lot of fire in her, her body movements, and a lot of fire in those forearms. But I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this match. Yeah, so did I. I thought it was decent work by all women involved. There was decent work on Waka's arm, uh, which led to the finish, which, you know, you, you know, I love whenever there's limb work and it leads into the finish. But something I did notice, Iho Zan might be the only person in Joshi louder than Suri. Um, she was incredibly vocal during this match, but she looked, she looked solid enough. I'm going to echo your sentiments. I thought Maria was fantastic, though it was Rin Karakura who teamed with Mayu. Um, Maria was in the ladder match, um, not the ladder match, the tournament at Osaka Super Wars. Um, and she's, I think that, had she come in before? I can't remember, but she has been in Stardom before anyway, and she she's looked solid here, but I thought here, really, really good. I thought Yunagi and Maria's exchanges were really, really good. Again, they're building Wacker so well. Um, I thought overall another really, really good match. The kick exchanges were great. I gave it three and a quarter. Yeah, three and a half. Um, let's move on then. And this was a slight surprise. Um, but match three, a tag team match. It was an all stardom affair. The Donna Del Mondo team of Mirai and May Sakurai. Um, and the Queen's Quest team of Sayakamatani and Lady C ended in a time limit draw after 15 minutes. Now, I was pleasantly surprised by the opening grapple exchange between Lady C and Mei Sakurai. I thought both women in this match, Lady C especially, looked vastly, vastly improved, Matt. Uh, my first note is I'm really impressed with Lady C. She's constantly getting better better and better and again we talk about it all the time it's reps it's reps in there with the right people and now she's a part of that queen's quest group um which i think that's uh that's only really helped her it's helped her with her look it helped her within the ring you know you can tell that as she gets in the ring even wa her walking to the ring she has a more uh confidence presence like a bigger presence and it doesn't help that she's one of the taller people too in stardom as well but i thought this was solid and the one thing i noticed about mariah is she really picked up like the speed intensity and we always talk about how the high-speed division needs more people. And you see, like, a Zoomy Starlight Kid and Natsupoy, when they're doing the high-speed, it's usually to, like, almost like a Dragon Gate, Lucha-style offense. It's, like, to an arm drag, to a quick pin, to a transition. Where her speed was into, like, just taking people's heads off. So I was thinking, well, you know, if they were to put her in the high-speed division and she was to use that high-speed, hard-hitting offense, 
it would be something completely different. And I wouldn't be opposed to Nazumi, uh, Maria, uh, Mirai, excuse me, you know, six, seven sprint, uh, minute sprint match. I think that would be something f- fun to see. But <laughs> I just, I, you know, I usually don't care about time limit draws, but do we really need a time limit draw on this new blood show? You know, I guess to me it was like take it or leave it. It didn't hurt the match for me, but I kind of just chuckled. I was like, well, I guess it's kind of, I don't know if Rossi was just kind of like, well, you know, I just got to rib everybody else. <laughs> I gotta get my ribbon. I gotta put something in for a time limit draw, and I may, I may as well do the one that's got all, all, all my four girls in it. But I thought this was uh, this was really really solid. But I don't know the time limit draw. Do we, do we really need it here, Rob? I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't think May Sakurai would be hurt anymore by eating a pinfall. But at some point, you have got to start building it. I mean, you've got May Sakurai and Lady C in there who are for all intents and purposes, just above rookie status. So, you know, it's not going to be the end of the world. But even so, this was probably one of my favorite matches on the card. I mean, Mirai is, at the moment, one of my personal favorites to watch. And I've actually made a note here. She's a frightening mixture of pace and power. And I would love to see her in that white belt picture. I mean, the exchange towards the end of the match between her and Sayakamatani was the best exchange on this entire card. I mean, that wheelbarrow suplex into a Uranagi from Mirai was well, looked absolutely tremendous. And then she's hitting a hammerlock belly-to-belly suplex. She's constantly adding things to her repertoire, so it's not just those lariats. But when those lariats hit, Jesus Christ, you do expect to see people's heads rolling along the floor. But no, genuinely, she is one of the most exciting things in stardom at the moment, in my personal opinion. Again, Lady C and May Sakurai did really, really good work together. Their kick exchange was fantastic. May Sakurai, you mentioned, you know, an improved intensity. May Sakurai bought it here. I thought her intensity was absolutely fantastic here, and she didn't seem out of place, which she's done on quite a number of occasions where she's very much been the sore thumb of the match. I thought she's she did really, really well here. You're keeping Saya relatively strong by in the Star Crusher just as the bell sounds. Um, but Mirai versus Saya, Matt, is, is something I would be very, very, very excited in seeing. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I said her and Azumi, her and uh, Saya Kamatani, and her and Yutami. You know, give her, give her all, line them up all against the, 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 three, big, uh, the three big dragon heads of Queen's Quest. I will be there for that. No, no doubt about it. Uh, I had this one at three and a quarter stars. Uh, exactly the same as me. Um, now, after the bell, we had a little bit of an exchange between Mirai and Saya Kamatani. And again, thank you to the wonderful work of at one two 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 Dragon Moon, who has translated a lot of these promos. Um, Mirai actually goes on because it's eleven years to the day on eleventh of March. Uh, since the Tohoku earthquake. Now, it was a 9.1 on the Richter scale earthquake. It was the largest recorded in Japan, the fourth largest recorded in the world um, since modern records began in 1900. It caused a total of 19,000 deaths. Um, and it's the uh, also the earthquake and resulting tsunami that caused the Fukushima nuclear disaster. Um, and obviously, Mirai is from Miyaku, which is a region that was severely hit. Um, she said that it was the disaster that led her to pro wrestling and that she believes that she has a mission to give people the same courage and strength that pro wrestling gave me back then. So she felt she couldn't lose today, which sort of plays into the story of the resilience and sort of gives us a storyline behind that time limit draw. Um, She said, there's no time to stay down. I want everyone to see how I keep getting back up, no matter how many times I get knocked down. Saya Kamatani, next time, fight me in a singles match, and I will show you my strong spirit with all my heart and soul. And actually, Saya says she sees a future with Mirai, and apparently Mirai is also the Japanese word for future. So, you know all those puns. Um, And she said she's been interested in her as one of the golden generation. Um, She wants her to get more results and to bring it on. So if by some miracle, Sayaka Kamatani comes out of World Climax with the white belt, we could potentially be building to a Sayaka Kamatani and Mirai um, feud, which again, I believe both me and Matt have uh, stressed how excited we'd be for it. 
Match four then, a tag team match. It's the return of Saya Ida, the stars team of Saya Ida and Hannon defeating the Just Tap Out team of AOI and Tomoka Inabe with Saya Ida pinning AOI. AOI? AOI. Someone will tell me. With the vertical drop brain buster in 12 minutes and 11 seconds. Uh, Matt, opinion. Well, before we get into that, I don't know if anybody noticed. Match two, we had Marie. Match three, we had Mariah and Saya. And match four, we had another Saya. So I just <laughs> thought that was kind of funny. I was like, did anybody look at the booking sheet? Uh, this is really, really good. I, I enjoyed it. The Just Tap Out team, they did this really cool um, arm ringer spot on Hannah where they would just keep taking the arm, ringer, 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 limb work. Uh, again, I'm a fan of it. You're a fan of it. So really good stuff from the uh, Just Tap Out team. Uh, Saida looked great here. It was so good to see her back. Completely different look. She looks like in fantastic shape. New gear. Her hair is 19 different colors. <laughs> Crazy intensity. Uh, thoroughly in- enjoyed that. Hannah, I always put over that she does this really cool judo throw off her comeback. And I wonder if she's taking judo or jiu-jitsu because in this match, not only did she do the judo throw, but she did, like, for a hope spot, like a rolling knee bar, which I thought was really, really good that I've never seen her do before. So I hope she adds that in as well. Um, I thought that was really good. Saya, not only does she know how to hit hard, but she knows how to um, she knows how to feed as well. She's very she's very good at feeding for the Just Tap Out team. Um, her strikings, her timing, everything was really good. She looked like she did not only didn't miss a beat. She looked like she's better than ever. She looked fantastic here, and I love the finish. Uh, that vertical drop, almost like a corkscrew-style uh, brain buster. I thought that was really good. I thought, again, this was another solid match. I had this one at three and a quarter stars. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I've I'm always been a massive fan of Sayurida. Um, She obviously has been out of in-ring action for over 11 months with tears in her ACL and MCL in her right knee, which she suffered, I believe, at the Yokohama show in April last year. Now. According to Sayurida, she says she left hospital in early June and resumed wrestling in about August or September. Her knee is still not fully recovered yet, but her doctor just cleared her for in-ring return, so she will have to feel her way with it. So bearing in mind that she's still not 100%, I thought she did tremendously here, and obviously she was then on the Tak and Don Baba show um, on the 12th of March the following day as well. Overall, um, I thought this was a really, really solid match. A couple of questions, Matt. What was your opinion of AY's dancing? Where does it rank in the Joshi dancing you've seen? Definitely way behind Tam Nakano. Everybody's <laughs> way behind Tam Nakano. She's probably a, a step or two below Unagi and Mina, only maybe just because I've seen them for so long do it. She's definitely above uh, my Sakurai. She's definitely above, we love her, poor Waka. And she's definitely, <laughs> definitely above uh, Himika and Micah as well. So uh, she does need new gear, though. It was like baggy uh jean shorts and like a baggy shirt as good as she was in the ring and she had a great presence and her dancing was a solid b plus on the first effort i thought was good but i think uh especially on a show like this she i think she needs needs like more professional gear yeah that's just my opinion no no i agree with you um i mean there's there's loads of positives to take for the just tap out girls i mean Tomoka Inaba is the current Sendai Girls Junior Champion. She's been that for a shade over two weeks after beating Yurika Oka, ending a 245-day run with the belt, just as a little bit of context. She is 19. AOI, I'm going to keep butchering that name. I'm sure someone will tell me. Um, AOI has only been wrestling since May 2021, less than a year's in-ring experience, and is only 19. And I thought she looked tremendous. Uh, she did some really cool transitions into getting into the arm bar. There was a cool little roll through into sort of a Numera Uno variation, which I think she calls the A-Wing, which looked really, really cool. I thought she was the MVP for me. Her slap exchanges between Sire and herself were brilliant. There was some horrendous bumps. I mean, she landed on a neck from a lariat, which was just like, oh my God. God, and then we talked about Saya's brain buster. Saya struggled to get her up the first time, and then the second time she did the corkscrew element of it and then dropped a flush on the crown of her head, which can't have tickled. Um, but thankfully, everyone seemed all right. Post match, 
Inaba expresses interest in Hannon's future of stardom belt. Now, my big thing about this entire show is if this gets more rookies, you know, if this is what we do with the future belt from now, you know, yes, we've got people like Rena, like Hina, like May, who can go for the future belt. But if we can then go to other companies and give other women the chance to fight for this belt, surely that makes it better. Surely that helps. Okay, surely that helps Hannon or whoever the champion is coming out of World Climax. You know, if we can go to Just Happy, if we can go to Sendai Girls, if we can go to Marvelous and we can have matches against their wrestlers as well, which is what Sayurida was starting to do. I know she fought against um, Honori Hannah um, last year for the belt. I really like that idea. And if this show is sort of opening up those doors to help sort of build those partnerships, then I am all for that. I gave this three stars. I thought it was a real another really, really solid match. There's been no bad matches on the card so far, Matt. And spoilers, there isn't going to be. Um, did you say you give it three and a quarter? The same spot. Yeah, and just to piggyback off what you said, yeah, with that future stardom title, if that's you know, if that's what they want to do is taking the other promotions, and then the smart thing would be is to put the either that show or that matchup on YouTube, either live stream it or put it up in a day or two. You're going to get more eyes on it because it is stardom. It is the number one Japanese wrestling company, um, uh, women's wrestling company, one of the top wrestling companies uh, over in Japan overall, you know, just based off the numbers. And then obviously if it's something that they put up on YouTube, it's probably something a match that me and you would probably cover on the podcast as well. So that would just open up doors for all these other promotions to have that belt defended uh, in, di- in you know, different areas. So that, I think that, that's a good idea. So you might have to call one Mr. Arogawa. <laughs> See if he'll take my call, finally. Um, we're on to match five then, the semi-main event, which was a tag team match with the Oedetai team of Starlight Kid and Ruaka defeating the World Women Pro Wrestling Diana team of Haruka Yumasaki and Nanami with Starlight Kid pinning Nanami after a moonsault in 13 minutes and 16 seconds. Um, this was my match of the night, Matt. I thought this was fantastic. What about you? I agree. Uh, this is my favorite match of the night. My favorite exchanges of the night were Starlight Kid and uh, Haruka. Am I saying that right? Uh, Haruka Umasaki, yeah. Her, her, I'm just going to say the first name because I, I'll, I'll go over to Haruka and the Starlight Kid stuff I thought was fantastic. And that's some stuff that I would like to see somewhere down the road in the future. I thought it was the heart of the match. I thought it was the... Uh, the storyline of the match was the two of them going back and forth, you know, her hanging with Starlight Kid, who was just an absolute, her star is uh, growing, you know, leaps and bounds every show. I thought that was the, this was, that was the best stuff for the show. And I thought Ruaka looked really good here. And um, the other competitor, uh, Nanami, am I saying that right? You are indeed. Yeah. Oh, I got it. You know, Hey, even a broken <laughs> clock's right. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> But I thought, yeah, I thought everything was good here. I thought all the exchanges, you know, they built the finish up really well where everybody was getting their stuff in. They were getting their single stuff in, the tag stuff in. Everybody looked good going towards the end. And then, yeah, Starlight Kid gets the win with the Moonsault. We haven't seen Starlight Kid win a match with the Moonsault in quite some time. So that was nice that she kind of threw that back. I thought that was good. If anything, maybe maybe a bit too long. Maybe they could have shaved two or three minutes off it. But yeah, this was uh, my match of the night as well. I had this at three and three fourth stars. Yeah. Were you surprised that Starlight Kid took so much of the offense? It was. And I kind of on the show, especially Sai Kamatani, who's the uh, white belt champion. She's the biggest star on the show. She has the biggest match coming up, you know, with, uh, with the returning of the singles match with Kari. So you can make an argument that, yeah, she's the biggest star on the show. So maybe you would maybe focus on Ruaka a little bit, but, she was in it quite a bit. I mean, I don't know if she put this together, if that's what they want to do. So I was a little bit surprised, but I'm never going to complain about seeing Starlight Kid in a wrestling ring for a long time because she just, everything she does is from the entrance to even her the way she cuts her promos, the way she sells, the way she feeds, the way she works her singles, the way she works her tags. I, I just think that she, she's absolutely incredible. Completely agree. And actually, having her in the ring so much, helped to elevate, you know, Haruka and Nanami. I mean, Nanami's 15, um, and you wouldn't have guessed it from this match. I thought both of the Diana women 
really did put on a real spectacle here. Um, Umasaki is concurrently one half of the tag team champions for both Wave and Diana with Miyuki Takase as Luminous. Um, but yeah, the main heartbeat of this match was the exchanges between Umasaki and Kid. They seem to be building towards an inevitable singles match. And if that's something they're doing, they've announced that they're going to be doing more of these new blood shows. If that's something they're building towards, then I am all in on that um again dragon moon has been able to translate the promos that took place after this match so after the match starlight kid invited haruka to join oeratai but quickly changed her mind um haruka said she was happy to hear the offer and thought it was interesting to become the first outsider to join a stardom faction after she defeats starlight kid one-on-one. Starlight replied that it was an easy win and felt that Haruka was still no match for her, but she will be happy to have a singles match with her when she gets stronger. Um, Starlight Kid also thinks that Nanami could be a good opponent for Rina as they are the same age. Um, What do you think about outsiders joining stardom factions, Matt? Is it something that you are bothered about or is it not something you really think about much? We keep saying the stardom roster just keeps growing and growing and growing, but if, if it's going to bring in better talent and get more eyes on it, then I'm all for it. I mean, I would always hear people say, you know, Chris Jericho would always talk about, um, he would always call promotions and they would say, oh, are you hiring? They're like, yeah, we're hiring if you're, you know, we're always hiring if we're looking at the right talent. And I don't think even though stardom has a zillion people on their roster should ever close their doors. They should always keep looking for talent. And if this is one way of getting them on board or bringing, you know, great wrestlers into factions you know i'm all here for good wrestling i'm assuming you're all here for good wrestling and i'm assuming majority of people that are listening to this podcast or watching wrestling in general just want to see some really really good wrestling and if we're going to get really good wrestling and really good storylines and angles out of other uh, wrestlers uh, from different promotions coming into stardom then yeah you know i'm all for it it wouldn't surprise me if there are two matches we see on the second new blood show um, if it's main evented by Starlight Kid versus Haruki Yumasaki and then Nanami and Rina on lower down on the card, I'd be very much up for seeing that. I imagine we'll also see Miyu Amasaki maybe teaming with a Lady C or maybe even teaming, teaming with Hina, who uh, we found out is returning for the Cinderella tournament, which we'll be talking about in our next episode of the podcast um speaking of Miyu Amasaki she made her debut in this on the show sorry in the main event match six the singles match between Yutami Hayashishta and Miyu Amasaki ended when Yutami pinned her with the German suplex in 11 minutes and 52 seconds Matt if you didn't do a stardom podcast if you were simply watching this show, okay, with absolutely no context whatsoever. Would you know that this is Mew's first professional match? Absolutely not. Absolutely. If I didn't know that going in, I, I, I wouldn't have known that. First of all, I was a little taken back that she got the entrance over you, Tommy. I mean, that's kind of a big thing, especially here in the States, is who gets the entrance over who? Uh, even if like somebody's running a big angle and four or five people are going to run out, it's like who is the bigger star out of the four or five people that goes on last? And the fact that she in her debut match got her got the entrance over the former Red Belt champion, the former uh, five star Grand Prix champion, I was like, wow, that is. I don't know if that's something that they thought about, but literally that's the first note that I wrote. Um, another thing about to Miu's entrance is she has a striking look to her, like she like almost like in a Julia sense or like an Io Shirai sense, like commands part of the room as soon as she walks in. I mean, you can see she was a little timid, and a little bit nervous, but she had good, good looking gear. She it, obviously in shape and just has like a striking good look to her. Uh, as far as the match goes, you can kind of tell you Tommy laid out the match and made it real simple for her. It seemed like they may, may have laid out four or five spots and the rest you Tommy probably just called it in the ring, which is really good for somebody somebody's first match when they're wrestling somebody as seasoned as you Tommy because then it's this way they're not overthinking the spots they're not thinking I have to remember seven eight spots or nine or ten spots or I have to remember everything from bell to bell as I just have to remember these three or four spots and then you Tommy's going to carry me through the match and tell me what to do uh when to do it and where to be 
But I thought she was, everything was really good. Her feeding was really good. Uh, the way she fed was good. Her ring positioning was really good. Her timing was really good. I, I'm thoroughly excited to see where she's going to go on stardom. And again, we're just loading up the roster with younger and younger talent. Have you, like, can you remember wrestling someone whose first match it was? Have you ever had to quite literally walk someone through a match or lay something out for someone? Uh, the last one I remember, I was in a six-man tag match. Now, you're ready for this? I was. It, it was two of the wrestlers' uh, first matches. One was on my team and one was on the other. And on the other side of the team was uh, James Ellsworth, who just came off his WWE run. And on my team was WWE Hall of Famer Coco Beware. So... <laughs> Yeah, what, so think, what think about that. That's amazing. And, and it was in the uh, Steamtown Mall where I literally, I cannot tell, in Scranton, Pennsylvania, for all you Office fans. I'm Big a Office fan. The office. Big I, Office Yeah, I, I grew up now, Scranton, Pennsylvania is five minutes away from where I grew, from where I grew up. So I, I visited that mall, I can't tell you how many times. So when they told when they booked me for the show, like, this is what we're going to do. Are you okay with that? I'm like, man, I haven't seen uh, James Ellsworth in so long. You know, I, I broke into the uh, Delaware and uh, Maryland independent scene with him. And I'm going to be teaming with Coco Beware. This is going to be great. And all my family is going to be there. This is going to be terrific. Anywho, that's a whole other story for another day. But, yeah, I remember both those guys were nervous. And I had to kind of, like, chain wrestle the one guy. And I just... Told him, I said, just stay loose. I'll tell you where where you need to be. And sometimes you're putting yourselves in holds. Like sometimes it's like I'd have a wrist lock on and I would just literally turn my arm one way. And all of a sudden he's got me in a wrist lock or I'll, I'll move my head a certain way. So, yeah, there is, you know, with somebody's first match, maybe they get timid. Maybe they get a little nervous. Obviously, it's this guy's first match. He's, in the, he's across the ring from WWE Hall of Famer. He's tagging up with somebody that just came off WWF TV. You know, he was in the Royal Rumble. He did this whole little program with AJ Styles. So it's easy to be someone to be nervous. And I kind of just knew, like, if I have to take this guy and literally lead him, you know, by the tail or the wrist in that part, that's what I'm going to do. So it's like, that's why I kind of noticed that in this match that Utami was leading her. And that's the best thing for the match. You have to think, what's the best thing for the match? You know, Utami's not going to, you know, let this hang this kid out to dry because it's not going to make anybody look good. Especially, it's like, oh, by the way, I just embarrassed you. Uh, I made you look, you know, greener than you already are. I made you get lost. Oh, by the way, you want to join Queen's Quest? Who wins in that <laughs> scenario? You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean. Um, I thought, you know, Mia was tremendous here. I thought she looked extremely solid considering this is her first professional match. Um, apparently, um, a little bit of backstage again from Dragon Moon, um, Mia says she was a fan of Azumi when she was a trainee and actually learnt the unique double-arm pile driver through secret training sessions with her. Um, and then Milano Collection AT actually taught her the unique roll-up move, the half-leg roll clutch, and that's um, translated from Battle News. But I just thought that was really interesting that she's incorporating those moves. Um, but overall, I thought, you know, if we... <laughs> I don't want to call it a carry job. That That's not fair. That paints the wrong picture of the match. Utami guided her well through this match. And I thought Miu played her part fantastically well. It cannot be easy wrestling, you know, someone like Utami who's just, you know, lost the red belt. It can't be easy doing that for your first ever match, your first ever match, and you are in the main event. And then after the main event, you know, it's all about you. You tell me asking if you want to be a member of Queen's Quest. That's a lot of pressure on a young woman, and yet she did tremendously well. And there's, there is a reason I asked you, Matt, you know, would if you were watching this for the first time, would you have guessed that she is a rookie? Because I thought she came across a lot better than, say, May Sakurai did in her first match or the new Nagi did in her first match. I thought she came across very, very well. And Stardom were obviously very, very high on her to put her in the main event and then have her instantly join Queen's Quest in this, you know, big pomp and circumstance thing. Um, I gave it three and a quarter. I think if this is her debut match, she has got some very, very, very good times ahead. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I had a three and a quarter. And yeah, she did a great job. And again, great job on you, Tommy. Again, I understand you don't want to call it a carry job. And I totally agree because... Miu definitely held up her end of the bargain, but it was Utami leading the dance. It was leading. And we, we really haven't seen Utami do anything like that because Utami, correct me if I'm wrong, she was 
in the similar spot a few years ago where she was a super rookie. I think she made her first year or two years into the business. She made it to the finals of the five-star against Mayu, uh, if, if, if I have that information correct. Um, and, and if I don't, I can lo- always look it up in the book, Living the Dream, <laughs> Sardom's 10th Anniversary Year in Review by my good friend, Rap Goodwin. Uh, there's just no end to your transitions, is there? <laughs> it, honestly, I reckon you've just got them in a big notepad and you're just flipping through them going, how can I transition today? Um <laughs> But no, I thought this match was fantastic. And then obviously we've already talked about it, but Utami then offers Miu a place in um, Queen's Quest. She accepts and, you know, most people had sort of guessed that she was going to be the fifth person in this um, Queen's Quest versus Oweratai um, tug of war match. And that obviously came to fruition. So X is going to be Miu Amasaki, which, you know, I'm happy for. I mean, Queen's Quest, they're certainly buffing out with the return of Hina, like I say. So you've now got a significant core um, with the return of Hina, with the inclusion of Miu Amasaki. It does give you scope to not necessarily bump Lady C up the card, but certainly protect her a little more from pinfalls which you know if you want to elevate her to winning a future belt or something like that future uh, further down the road you need to start doing so i think it's uh, i think it's smart business sense overall then matt six matches um the big question aside from obviously the stardom wrestlers who we are very familiar with who stood out for you who stood out as someone you'd like to see more work of because that's another big thing from these shows it's about opening your eyes to other joshi promotions i said it before but uh marvelous uh marie i thought she was uh, she was by she was probably the standout of the whole show for me again i know what i'm getting with you tommy i know what i'm getting with starlight kid with her i've only seen her a handful of times i thought she was the absolute standout and also um haruka i thought her stuff with starlight kid was standout as well again you know, you're wrestling star like kid. She can make a sheep, a broom, and a dolphin look good. But uh, th- those were my two. We threw the we, we threw the sea animals in on that one. Uh, <laughs> change it up a little bit. It's, it is getting warmer out here uh, in Pennsylvania. But those were my two standouts. How about you? Um, I completely agree with you. I thought Haruka looked fantastic. I thought she's a real one to keep your eye on. I actually really enjoyed, um, and again, can't say a name uh aoy i think from just tap out i think when you consider she's got a less than a year's experience um i thought she had a really 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 good exchange with sayarida um and she's someone i like to see a lot more of i think she's got she's very mayuiwatani build um quite not necessarily lanky but very thin bumps very, very, very well, very athletic. So I'm, I'd be very excited to see a little bit more from her. But I, I don't think there's no one that on this card where I thought, Jesus, shit, like they're scraping the barrel with these. I thought everyone on this card pulled together to put on a very, very watchable and easy two-hour card to watch. Um, and I'm looking forward to the next one as well. Um, With that then, ladies and gentlemen, that brings to an end our review of Stardom's New Blood 1 show. Um, We'll be back um, on Friday for our patrons and on Sunday for everybody else on our free feed to talk the Takadome Baba show and the Corrigan Hall show, as well as going into a preview of those Cinderella brackets, which have been released. The biggest field in Cinderella tournament history, 30 women in with a chance of becoming the Cinderella tournament winner. If you are a patron, any level on the Stardom Cast Patreon, please go and check out our competition where you have to give us the winner and the two finalists for your chance to win a free Stardom Cast t-shirt and my book free of charge. Please go and check that out. It is pinned, I believe, to the top of our Patreon feed. Thank you to all of our patrons. We could not do this without you. You guys are fantastic. Thank you to everyone who is listening at home as well you can check us out on twitter facebook and instagram at at the stardom cast and our youtube 
channel as well. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, We are literally everywhere. If you fancy giving us a five-star review and a comment, we would be incredibly grateful. It does raise the profile of our podcast. Uh, Matt, anything you'd like to add? Where can they find you on social media? You guys can find me on Twitter and or the Instagram to search Matt Turner OF and uh, feel free to drop me a line. Uh, just a couple more things. Don't forget that if you are a Red and uh, Red Bull patron, we have got our Q&A coming up. That's going to be released on the last Saturday of the month. So if you've got questions that you'd like to hear uh, from, mainly from Matt, I perfectly understand that it is mainly going to be from Matt, and I'm fine about that. Um, so if you want to hear more stories about, you know, Cesaro, James Ellsworth, Rocky Romero, whoever you want to hear about, just drop us a line. Maybe you want to hear more about CM Punk. You've got the QA thread that that is pinned to the top of our Patreon page. Please go and just write a question. It can be quite literally about anything. We've got everything from music to books to wrestling in there so far. So I'm looking forward to recording that. And tomorrow, as we record, we have got our Mako Satomura versus Nene Takahashi match review from Stardom, the highest 2012. That will be on line for our white and red belt tier patrons at 6 p.m british standard time on wednesday the 16th of march um but as for now that's it thank you so much for listening guys and we'll talk to you guys again soon special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.